Good morning. It's good to see all of you. And I have appreciated the um, things we've been hearing today. It's always interesting to see how the Lord directs a service. It's not always... uh, Devotionals, devotionals and children's classes and messages don't always um, just tie together, but today I definitely feel like they do. And uh, I'm always encouraged and blessed when that happens. <clears throat> so, welcome to each one, and uh, especially if you're here as a guest, we welcome you. And uh, trust that you'll... Uh, Be blessed and encouraged today. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17 is where we'll uh, pick up today. And maybe before we get started, we'll just uh, commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Shall we? Pray together, our Father, our God, again, we are here this day with thanksgiving to you, Father, as we reflect on your goodness and faithfulness to us. Father, we all come here today from our varied uh, places and experiences in life, probably varied challenges, varied blessings. Lord, today again we, we're asking that you would do what we cannot do and that you would meet each person right where they're at and minister and bless and strengthen, convict, encourage, whatever would seem to be needful, Lord, whatever would uh, be profitable to continue to lead us in a in our lives in a manner that is honoring and glorifying to you. So, Father, again, just uh, bless this time, this hour, as we look into the Scriptures. May the Spirit of God be our teacher here today. And may we together be encouraged and strengthened. Father, thank you for the things that we have heard already. And again, pray a blessing on the brothers who have shared, and may we, may we truly benefit and profit from the uh, exhortations that have been given. So, Father, this is your time. Again, pray that uh, the things that I share would be that which is inspired by your word and your spirit, not of myself, not of my own understanding. But, Father, that uh, you would be, your truth would would come forth and that uh, you would be glorified in it all. So we commit this time to you, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well... It's uh, 
It's encouraging here today to um, look into the Scriptures and be uh, exhorted and challenged. Today we'll cover probably most of the rest of chapter 4. In fact, should try to cover all of it, um, of Ephesians. Just reflecting back a little bit on the previous chapter, or the previous uh, part of the chapter rather, chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. The um, verse 16 kind of sums it up when it says that uh, from from whom the whole uh, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure in every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love that uh, that verse sums up the last message and the the first part of that chapter somewhat in that it gives us the gist of of what was being spoken of when it talks about us being a part of a body. <clears throat> and it talks about our place in that body and it talks about uh, the purpose of that body, the growth that is intended to happen, the maturity that is intended to take place. Um, and it's... it's uh, it's you know the the scriptures clearly indicate that that all takes place in the context of a body you know a uh, you know in the physical sense you know i'm complete you know you're complete you're uh, most of you here are not uh, experiencing any kind of handicaps so you're complete uh not everyone is you know is uh, has that privilege for whatever reasons. Sometimes people are born with a handicap. Sometimes uh, uh, handicaps happen through accidents and all those kind of things. But for the most part, the large percentage of us are fairly complete. Uh, but in the spiritual sense, we're not that way. Uh, we're only a part of a body. We're, we need others. We. Uh, it's intended that we sense that need of others. It's intended that we realize that need of others. It's intended that we desire others in our lives. It's, it's in that context that Christ uh, builds His church. It's in that context that uh, we can be everything that God wants us to be, or at least be heading that direction. You know, I don't think we ever feel like we're everything that God wants us to be, do we? But, you know... Somehow, God has chosen in the context of, of, uh, of a body to uh, reveal himself or to, to manifest himself to the fullest. And we have that privilege. This chapter then continues and, in, and it turns the focus a bit more on each one of us personally. Uh, that doesn't detract from the, the from the context of, of 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 being a part of a body, not at all. It just, you know, there's a time to also consider myself and where am I at and and uh, how am I doing and what's taking place in in my own experience. And so, the focus does shift just a bit. And uh, let's begin here. We'll read some of these verses, uh, beginning in verse 17. 
says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And we'll stop there for for the moment. <clears throat> I've titled today's message, Your Mind as it relates to your walk. Your mind as it relates to your walk. Notice here in verse 17 he says that... Um, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Does our mind affect our walk? Are our mind and our walk related? I suppose we're probably agreeing that uh, they are related. There is a direct connection between our mind and our walk. Uh, the apostle here obviously points that out, that uh, there is a direct connection between the walk of the Gentile and his mind. He was walking according to the vanity of his mind. And he, of course... Uh, Describes that vanity a bit, the emptiness of his mind, the uh, the foolishness of his mind, and it'd be interesting to note that uh, in verse twenty, that uh, he definitely uh, contrasts between the the mind of the Gentile, the unconverted, and the the believer. So we won't uh, we'll, we'll say more about that later, but. Uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to illustrate our mind a little bit here this morning, and that's why I have this table up here in this filing cabinet. Uh, I think I've used this illustration before, and it may be not necessarily new for some, but uh, maybe for some it is. But uh, I'd like you to picture your mind as a filing cabinet, and. Uh, you know, it's, it is a fact. You can go back into your mind and you can, you can open up many, many different files. And you can find many, many different things in those files. Uh, our mind is actually an incredibly amazing feature. Uh, we can, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable all the information we can store in there. 
I'd like us to also uh, uh, recognize this tabletop here is also part of our illustration. Uh, I'd like us to think about this file as our mind and this tabletop as our current thoughts. You know, we, uh, we're always thinking something. We always have something out on our tabletop. Something that we're thinking about. Something that we're going through. Sometimes we go into the, the files and we bring out, uh, we bring out some things that we want to ponder and think about. Something we didn't think about in a long time. But then somehow something brings it to our memory and we go back in there and we start thinking through it and looking through it and, and, uh, we open up that file. And we start uh, pondering. Then we might tuck it back in and uh, go on to something else. Go on to think. You know, and a lot of that actually happens without, it's habitual. A good part of it is actually just habitual. Your mind, your, your thinking processes and patterns, you, you develop, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically habitual. We, we, we develop uh, thinking processes and, and uh, patterns in our lives and um, it becomes a very habitual thing. And of course, I, I'm sure all of us at some points, at different points in our in our journey of life, have come to recognize thought patterns and things that weren't good, and we've endeavored to change. And we'll we'll talk about that some, I think, here today. And that's a good thing. <clears throat> but uh, here in this scripture, we have the uh, the uh, Paul kind of. He, he, he lays out the, the vanity of a Gentile mind. And if you, you stop and think about that a bit, uh, Joshua was speaking about the uh, children's ministry and uh, the children they deal with. And there is examples of, uh, of uh, minds, files that are full of uh, who knows what. All sorts of vanity. All sorts of uh, emptiness, all yeah, emptiness, all sorts of things that are of no worth is basically what it uh, what it means. Just think about a child like that. Think about everything that, uh, uh, or let's just stop. Let's go back just a tiny little bit further, and let's think about a newborn. You know, the files are basically empty in a newborn's life, and from from day one. And I'm not sure when the files actually start. You know, filling up and, and things are actually registering, but it's not long. And in, over the process of those early years, there's, we're, those files are being filled up with, with uh, all sorts of experiences and, and uh, input that is being put into the, into the life of that little one. And so think about uh, a little child that grows up in a situation like uh, many of these do in a city of Lebanon and, and course, all over the world. Uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, just picture the, the, the many hours that a child sits in front of a television and all the, uh, all the ungodly scenes and all the ungodly concepts that are presented, much of it being the foolishness of men. The full, you know, the, the vanity of men's minds, much of it, much of what is presented on a television, much of what is presented on a radio is the vanity of men's minds. Not all, 
we recognize that. We, we, we're not, we're not, you know, there's, there's ungodly, uh, men whose minds are largely, um, have, have, have no, they have, they have no true values, they have no true, uh, you know, God-given understanding. But, you know, in that context, there, there's, there's some one plus ones that equal two, and there's some two plus twos that equal four, and, and you can catch a bit of wisdom here and there from somebody. That, that's, that's all true and right. We understand that. But the general gist of life and the general perspective is vanity. And children, uh, uh, sit and, and their files are filled with that. Just go to your schools today. You know, um, evolution, it's vanity. It's, it's, it's the epitome of stupidity. Frankly. But our children's files are being filled with this stupidity. The, 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 the vanity of men's minds. <clears throat> and so, you have a child, growing up in that kind of a situation and their files are just filled with this stuff. You know, what What do you expect the walk to be when they become a young person? Of course, beyond that, you know, um, you know, just think about the home front. There's many a child in those kind of situations where their parental situation is leaves much to be desired. Uh, some probably are one, you know, a one-parent home. They may have faced the pains of divorce. They may have faced the pains of seeing mom and dad fight. Uh, they may have seen all kinds of arguments. Who knows, you know, what they've all seen. What has all been put into those files. They, uh, and of course, in our world today, the uh the uh the whole atmosphere is charged with sensuality and children growing up in that in that uh focus uh, are incredibly selfish and sensually selfish. And there you are. You have uh, you have a mind that is filled with those kind of things. The files are full of it, and the tabletop is full of it. And that's the picture that we have here with the Gentile uh, world uh, back there in uh, in even Paul's day. It says that um, that they're not to walk as other Gentiles in the vanity of the mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart and who being past feeling and have always... that uh, Really what that means is they're, they, they're, they're beyond a conscience. They have no conscience. There is basically very little concept of a, of a right or a wrong anymore. And to work all uncleanness with greediness. So what's in the mind directly affects the life. But then Paul here goes on and says, But ye have not so learned Christ. 
Now, here we have a group of people uh, that uh, Paul is speaking to who their background was what we've been talking about. That's where they came from. But Paul says, you have not so learned Christ. The, uh, the f- when they heard the gospel, they learned something that stood in stark contrast to the life that they had been living. They understood something that was in stark contrast to the life that they had been living. They responded to something that was in stark contrast to the life that they had been living before. They had accepted something that was a stark contrast and it was the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and its implications and its, its claims on a life. They had understood it, they had been taught it, they had been uh, exhorted about it. As he says here, uh, he says, but you have not so learned Christ. It's actually a past tense that he's speaking here, these next several verses. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. That is actually, he's speaking to them in a past tense situation. This is what took place in your life. When you heard the gospel, when you, uh, uh, when the truth came to you and you understood it and you responded to it, this is what happened. This is what you responded to. This is uh, uh, the effects of it in your life. You, uh, you, you became, uh, you, you, you took on a new man. You, uh, you put off the former conversation, the old life. You saw it for what it was. You turned away from it and you turned to a new life. And so he's, he's uh, speaking to them somewhat in, in the past text, tense a bit, uh, of what had taken place in their lives. And uh, I'm going to guess uh, the reason we have some of these exhortations that we have here is uh, simply the fact that they didn't have... Uh, they didn't, uh, uh, it wasn't a live happily ever after situation for them, just like it isn't for us. You know, yes, they had responded to the gospel and they had believed in Christ. They had turned away from the old life. But there were still some areas of life to deal with. There were still some battles to fight. There were still some areas they were probably failing at times. And uh, we'll see some of that maybe as we go. But he goes on there. And says that, you know, that they had put off concerning the former conversation, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And uh, while that is somewhat of an ongoing experience, I believe also, like I said, it's somewhat he's speaking to them a bit of what had actually taken place, a past tense. <clears throat> so, here they were, they had been, uh, you know, the, their files were full of the, uh, the, the vanity of a Gentile, of the unbeliever, of the ungodly, and they uh, heard the gospel, they heard the, 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 uh, the challenge that, there is, that uh, there's a better way to live, that uh, 
the, the life and, and the things that are going on in their lives are not pleasing to God and there's a way to please God and Christ was preached to them and taught to them and they responded. And so uh, we, we realize that uh, when that happens there's, and, you know, and, and, and a person gets born again, there's a major, major change in life. But I think we also recognize that uh, the fact that these files don't all just empty out automatically, do they? They don't get renewed automatically, totally. You know, there is, like it says here, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, we, uh, we recognize that there needs to be a renewing. Uh, there need to be new things put into those files. You know, that little child from, that child from Lebanon City Ministry. Those files are full of all sorts of ungodliness. And if that person is ever going to uh, uh, live a godly life, live a life that is pleasing to God, the files have to be renewed. They have to be filled with some uh, uh, new things. Some things that are, are godly. Some things that are pure. Some things that are holy. The wrong thoughts, the wrong concepts, the wrong ideas need to be replaced with righteousness and holiness. Because our actions follow our thoughts. And our thoughts are largely what's uh, contained in our files. <clears throat> so the, uh, the mind needs to be renewed. So how, and I've since I've answered this question already, but how is the mind made new? You know, uh, like this verse says, and be renewed in your mind. You know, obviously, like uh, the um, Matthew there where Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what's in there is what's going to come out. And uh, so, if we're going to renew it, we have to start putting right things into it, right? We have to start uh, reading proper material. We have to start uh, listening to proper music and uh, proper input. We need to, yeah, keep our uh, our eyes and our ears and our thoughts, uh, we have to start putting the correct things into the files so that uh, the correct things come out. So we have to renew the mind. <clears throat> we have to change the files. Put new things in their place. The uh, he, goes, he goes on here then in this scripture and uh, actually starts talking about some areas of their lives. He talks about the verse 23 about renewing, about uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness, true holiness. Verse 25, wherefore put away lying, speaking, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So in this case, when we think about, you know, maybe we'd have a file that, uh, 
is filled with all sorts of lies. You know, things that we've said, perhaps, that uh, were not truths. You know, maybe we were a bit habitual liar. Uh, and now we're a believer. But uh, that file is still pretty, uh, pretty close to our, to the surface. And those things, those temptations, those, uh, uh, those, the, the potential to lie is still there. And it might be a struggle to overcome it. But we have to replace the, uh, the lie with truth. We have to fill that, we have to, uh, uh, we can't just, you know, we can't just go and empty a file. We have to fill it with the right thing. You know, the uh, uh, Jesus talks about the 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 one who is demon possessed, where the demons were cast out, and the and the and the mind was empty, and the heart was empty, and then uh, because he didn't fill it with something good and right, the devils come back in with seven worse. And so there's a sense in which. When we go to renew our mind, we don't actually go in there and tr- uh, there's a sense in which we don't actually go in there and take out the uh, uh, the old stuff, even though we do that. We, you know, repentance, uh, repentance, we deal with those things. But in reality, and, and that does cleanse the file some, but in reality, uh, what really in the end pushes, uh, changes it completely is when we start putting the right thing into it. Uh, so it's kind of a dual process there, where we we repent over what is there, and uh, and uh, you know, purpose to change a change of life and direction, and then we start filling it with the right thing. <clears throat> start putting the right thing into our file. We replace it instead of lying. We replace it with truth. We only speak the truth. We only think about things that are true. We, uh, we only, uh, we, we are, we're honest. We, uh, we quit, uh, we, 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 we quit lying. I don't know if they were dealing with this or not, but it, uh, definitely, uh, definitely Paul thought it worthy to make, make a note of it and to exhort them about it. In verse 26, he exhorts them to, to, be, to be, be, angry, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, I think, ties right into it. Neither give place to the devil. The, uh, you know, maybe there is a, a file that, uh, that you could label a file. Maybe there's a, a file in your life that you could label anger. Maybe there's different situations along the way that you get angry about. And uh, maybe that was the experience of, uh, of uh, some of the believers there in, uh, in uh, Ephesus, uh, who this was written to. You know, anger is often a result of uh, other issues. I, anger is often just a byproduct of something else that's going on. But uh, exhorts us here that uh, we're not to. Uh, this the English translation says, "Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil." And uh, I know this this verse uh, has caused probably people a lot of pondering. And what what does it ever mean? Uh, be angry. 
in uh, in verse 31, he's, and we'll look at that more later, but in verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. I guess I'm going to say I do not believe that uh, verse 26 is giving a license to anger. The uh, partially because of the context, even its own context, and also other verses, and uh, partially, I've read it in a, in a, a, I'm not a low German scholar at all, but I've done just enough of low German to, uh, to search out a few different things, and, and one of the low German, uh, the low German Bible actually translate this verse as, uh, says it this way, when you are angry, be careful that you don't sin worse, is the way the Low German gives it. I've never seen another translation that gives it anywhere close to that. I don't. I don't. I never studied the High German. I don't know what that does with it, and I've not 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 looked at a lot of translations. But the uh, the uh, the the he he says, "Let not the sun go down upon your wrath," which would would uh, fall right in line with. Uh, that particular uh, translation that uh, it's basically saying you deal with anger. You don't let it lay. You don't let the day end with anger in your heart. The next verse says, neither give place to the devil. And I, I would feel that is tied right in simply this, that if you do let anger lay, you will, you are giving place to the devil. And, uh, you know, anger is, uh, it will not, how does it say in one verse, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Uh, so I would not see that verse as a, uh, as a, a license that a little bit of anger is all right. I would actually see it as, uh, like the low German says, when you are angry, be careful that you don't sin worse and deal with that anger and uh, before the day's end, or you will give occasion to the devil, and uh, who knows what. <clears throat> but anyhow, if we have this file, and uh, you know we have all this uh, this anger that's in there, and of course, if it's in the file, it's going to come out on the tabletop, and at some point, it's going to manifest. It's going to uh, show itself. And so, in order to get rid of it uh, on the tabletop, we have to get rid of it in the file. And, of course, uh, replace it with something else. What would we replace anger with? I would say probably patience. Hebrew writer says that ye have need of patience in Hebrews 10.36. And James tells us that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is a good thing, and uh, probably if we're if we are angry, we are we're lacking patience. We're uh, we're uh, we have need of patience. <clears throat> he goes on, verse twenty-eight. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands that thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth. And there again we have, uh, we have a contrast. First of all, you know, the one that stole. You know, 
What is stealing? Do we have, to, in order to be uh, to steal, do we actually have to go out and deliberately take something that's not our own? Is that the only uh, definition to stealing? How about uh, shady business deals? Is that stealing? I read a book recently where uh, a, a gentleman was selling a horse, trying to remember. Okay, I believe the horse was a. Uh, a bulker. He'd, he'd stop, kind of stop in the middle of the road somewhere along the way and just kind of stop. And, but he's a real nice looking horse. And the son was observing his dad as his dad talked to the guy that was going to buy the horse. And the guy says, uh, asks, I forget how he asked the question, but he asked it in such a way that he didn't have to give a direct answer. And he, and he totally evaded the fact this, this was a good horse. It's a good horse. He totally evaded the fact that it's a, that is, this horse has a problem. And the son knew the horse had a problem. He knew that's why it was being sold. And uh, after the the horse the guy bought the horse and left, uh, the, about a day later, the son asked his dad, well, "Why didn't you tell him that this? Well, he he didn't ask. <laughs> you know, he didn't sell, didn't say the truth, didn't present the true picture, and so he got more for it than what he would have if he'd have presented the true true picture. And so he did a shady deal, and uh, I think we could call that stealing." Right? So stealing has different shades. Not revealing the truth that relates to the subject or to the deal. Or how about loitering on the clock when you're on the clock? Goofing off time. It can be stealing. But rather than stealing, let him labor that he may have to give. Notice the opposite. Rather than stealing, rather than taking advantage, rather than trying to get something for nothing. Work. And when you've got some extra, look for a place to bless somebody with it. Look for a place to meet somebody's need. That's changing the files. It's changing the content of the files. It's changing the mind. It's renewing the mind. Thinking differently about things. Seeing things differently. You know, that's a total shift of concept where a person is always functioning on the edge of trying to get the best deal, trying to uh, squeeze as much out of a, of a deal as he can, trying to get the, uh, the last dime possible, trying to figure out how to, you know, there's all sorts of ways it can be done. Versus on the other side, on the other perspective, looking for opportunities to bless, looking for opportunities to... Uh, uh, to meet someone's need. I was challenged some years ago when my father-in-law was selling a truck and he actually got a mechanic to open, open the engine up to make sure that everything was in good shape for the guy buying it. That was a challenge to me. I mean, you could have, uh, you could have just listened to the thing and said, hey, this thing's in good shape. Here it is. Take it. But, uh, he wanted to pass something on that he knew was going to uh, be uh, trustworthy. Are we willing to go the second mile? Or what's our perspective? What's our heart? Changing the files. Thinking differently about life. And about the uh, about practical subjects like this. No longer stealing. No longer trying to take advantage. No longer being that guy that's 
so hard to deal with, you know, that business people know as a fellow that just squeezes every buck out of you, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> I was there one day, but I don't do business like I used to. And I'm glad I don't. All right. The next uh, verse, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, We've already talked about uh, communication this morning. Jonathan did, and here it is again. Uh, Let no corrupt communication. Corrupt communication can have a, a... a number of different uh, twists to it. You know, it can simply be corrupt, you know, unclean, unholy, uh, licentious communication, words, and so forth. Uh, It can be uh, just foolishness, uh, jesting, like uh, Ephesians 5 verse 4 says, that are not convenient, silliness, frivolousness, uh, it can be uh, gossip and tail-bearing. can be corrupt communication. But he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. And again, we have the contrast. Uh, rather than, of course, remember, the files... If it's in the files, it's going to come out, right? If it's in the heart, it's going to come out. Uh, rather than that, it uh, should be uh, communication that is edifying, communication that is encouraging, communication that builds others up, communication that graces others' lives and brightens their day, encourages their heart, strengthens their spirit, Renews their uh, uh, vitality. Total opposite. Total opposite. Total opposite perspective. And of course, the uh, I think again the the verse verse thirty where it says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption." I, I would say that probably ties in very well with the verse twenty nine. When, uh, you know, the Spirit of God is within us and its ministry is to uh, purify us, to, to uh, lead us into holiness, to make us uh, like Christ, that's, his, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when we uh, are, have uh, Filthy communication coming out of our mouth, uh, corrupt communication as it says here. Obviously, first of all, it's in our hearts and then it's coming out. And when that is in place, I think we would all agree that the Holy Spirit is grieved by that, isn't He? He's not going to be just sitting back and pleasantly observing. He's going to be grieved by that kind of activity in our lives. And uh, so we have to uh, clean up the files. Be renewed in the spirit of our mind and uh, put up uh, 
uh, empty out the uh, the corruption and fill it with holiness, things that are pure, things that are right, like uh, first, uh, no, not first, like Philippians four verse eight. Think on these things, fill, filling the files with things that are pure and just and right and holy and good. <clears throat> All right, verse 31, verse 31 and 32. These, uh, again, they're contrasting. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then verse 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. We have quite a list there on the negative side. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. All kind of the same vein of thought. You know, things that are going on in our hearts can be going on in our hearts. Uh, bitterness, uh, unforgiveness, uh, wrath, where we actually want to lash out, want to get revenge. Uh, and clamor is an outcry. And I I don't, uh, I think of, uh, was it back in the book of Acts where they, the apostles at times would be preaching and the whole crowd would kind of clamor. They'd, they'd cry out against them and start stoning them and things like that. But we we have uh, an outcry. Uh, and of course, it, in this context, it has to be an outcry against truth and against right. We replace it with kindness, with tenderheartedness. With forgiveness. And why do we do that? Because Christ has forgiven us. We've been forgiven. We have much to be thankful for. We have every reason to forgive our fellow man. So we, uh, we empty the files. We, we replace the, uh, the things that are we replace the bitterness with kindness, with tenderness. We replace the anger. We replace the clamor, the evil speaking, and put in its place uh, the kindness and the love and the care. Verse two of, or verse one of, yeah, verse two, verse one and two of chapter five sum it up a bit. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. <clears throat> Notice there it talks about walking in love in, uh, in the, uh, in verse 17 we began with the Gentile walking in the vanity of their mind. And we finish with, uh, the exhortation to walk in love. And that is, that is, you know, that is the result of a renewed mind, a renewed heart. Uh, walking in love as Christ loved us. Loving our fellow man just like God loved us. And of course, a renewed mind will result in a renewed walk. Now, Coming to the end of all that, let's consider just for a moment. You know, we considered the uh, the child who uh, grows up in the city of Lebanon, and their files are all full of who knows what, um, all sorts of uh, 
sinful, sinful uh, ideas and concepts and perspectives. And we're grateful that God in His wisdom and mercy has sent the Lord Jesus Christ that can change all of that, even the worst mind, even the most defiled, even the most... Uh, uh, the the furthest removed from God that you want to find, God can change all of that. But, let's think about this. In our situation, in our context, think about the potential of a child that grows up where the files are filled with good things. From the very start. I realize that, you know, and I think we all realize that you, you can't avoid of, uh, some things coming into life that there's nothing like blocking out all evil. We are in the world. You know, John, Jesus' prayer in John was that uh, that He would keep us in the world. Not that He would take us out of the world, but that He would keep us in the world. And we realize that um, all of us and our children included at some point, you know, though they're young and they're innocent and we guard them against a lot of things and we should, but at some point, as they grow on in life, uh, little by little, they're going to be introduced to the reality of the, 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 uh, the, the, the coldness and the hardness and the debauchery of the world. Now, I do not think anyone should be introduced to any of it intentionally. But it, it happens. You know, there's, you know, the, the, the sin is not all undercover. It's out in the open and, and you, you, you see some of it, and you have to deal with some of it. You have to do something about it in your own mind, what you, uh, what you heard or what you saw, and those kind of things. But think about filling a mind, a child's mind, from the beginning with wholesome things, with uh, reading material that uh, uh, builds a. Uh, uh, a God-conscious perspective builds a, yeah, a God, I'm not sure what other word to put to it, but uh, a, uh, you know, the, the God has His, uh, God, of course, God understands everything, but He, 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 knows, he knows exactly the timing of, of things in this world. He knows exactly where this world is headed. He understands it better than we even do. Uh, our world is, uh, f- uh, their concept and their focus is on making this world a better place for the next generation and all those kind of things. And we, should, we shouldn't be intentionally destroying the earth that we live on. I don't believe we should. But the, the bottom line is, that uh, we need to recognize that there's coming a day when this entire thing is going to go up in smoke. And uh, that needs to be a part of our concept. That needs to be a part of our perspective. That needs to be a part of our uh, uh, how we uh, think about it. And while we're here, we need to take best care of it we can. But our concept needs to include the fact that someday it will be wiped out. Our concept needs to include the fact that uh, no matter how nice a vehicle, no matter how nice a home I build, someday I'm going to die and leave it to someone else. Or someday uh, it's going to melt down in the great meltdown. It will. 
And that's, that's, that's something that needs to be a very integral part of our, our being and our, our concepts in life. And that's the kind of thing that uh, we want to, uh, those kind of deep concepts are what we want our, uh, to be uh, riveted in the hearts of our children. Uh, and it's through the, through the uh, uh, reading materials and influences that come their way as they are shaping and developing their lives that, that those things take place. So think about the, uh, the potential. Think about the potential that you as a parent have in influencing that little heart and little mind. Putting the right things in there. Putting the godly concepts in there. Helping them to, rather than to see a, uh, a dysfunctional home, rather than to uh, uh, see a, a couple that fights, showing them a couple that loves each other. Parents that love each other. Parents that uh, love them, care for them. Put, the, uh, put your faith in shoe leather in everyday life and allow your children to observe it. And, uh, and their, their, uh, their files will be filled with many good things as they live in that kind of a context. And even here in, uh, in brotherhood life, we all have the privilege to contribute to the files of one another, to the files of our children. You've, you contribute to the files of my children. And it's incredibly valuable, especially in the... Uh, or it can be incredibly detrimental. But if we can be a brotherhood who lives in peace and works well together and learns how to uh, uh, work through our different perspectives and understanding in a peaceful manner, we will contribute to the files of our children uh, invaluable truths and concepts and perspectives that uh, will be a blessing to them many, many times. And think about scriptures, putting Bible verses in those minds. I had a verse that I came across in Isaiah this week that uh, just blessed me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We're talking about our mind, talking about our thoughts, talking about our heart. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. You know, we all need those kind of verses that we have uh, tucked away in memory to, to pull out when we need them, Right? You know, we're having a difficult day or some, something comes our way. To have those things in memory and just be able to poof, right up in the tabletop. We start looking at it. We start thinking about it. We start meditating on it. And uh, put it back in the file next time we need it. It's there. <clears throat> so I want to encourage us today with that. Well, the, especially thinking about the... Uh, the uh, the blessing or the privilege that you have as parents. And, of course, it goes beyond that, you know. Obviously, the, the gentlemen and children, the staff at Children's Ministry are endeavoring to take young children and even older children whose files have been totally corrupted and trying to get something good in there. Trying to get something good in that file so that they at least have a little bit to bring out on the tabletop that will... will is truthful, 
is honest, is godly, is pure, is holy. Uh, trying to get them to uh, realize the, the need to have something in those files that is pure and is right and is holy. <clears throat> it's been said, what you think is what you become. And I, I believe that's true. You know, what we think, what, uh, what, we, uh, what our mind dwells on is, is basically who we become. And obviously our mind is going to dwell on the things that are in the files many times. Uh, unless, of course, we are intentionally bringing new things in. You know, maybe we don't have a good Bible verse in a file for a certain situation. Well, we can go get one. And we can bring it in. We can memorize it. We can put it in the file. And it's there when we need it for the next time. <clears throat> your, your mind as it relates to your walk. They go hand in hand. Your mind and your walk go hand in hand. <clears throat> Again, I'd like to, maybe just in closing, just to consider briefly the thought here again that Paul, he, uh, he's not ashamed to lift up the, the truth that, that the, uh, the Gentile mind, and I use that term kind of generically, the unbeliever, the unbelieving mind, and all the vanity that is contained therein. And the mind of the believer don't mix. The mind needs to be renewed. You know, the, the, what used to be in there and what used to take place, it, you know, it's just not appropriate for a person who professes faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is not, does not mince words in bringing that truth across. When we come to Christ, it's time for a rebuild, you know. It's time for a rebuild. We need to take, we need to go in there and, and, uh, and examine the contents and throw everything out that is defiling and, uh, and uh, unclean and unholy and put in its place the good, the right, the holy, the pure, and uh, it's it's uh, it won't be productive to try to mix the two. And I, I realize that uh, you know we are always you know we're always on a cutting edge in these matters. We're always, no matter how long we've been a Christian, we are always working at areas of our lives and our thoughts and our hearts. And 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 I realize that. But probably what I'm talking about a little bit more is the idea that, uh, you know, you know that, that prevails in our world quite largely that, you know, people kind of live, they're saved now. You know, they live just like they did before. They look at the same things they looked at before. They, the files are still as full with the vain things as they were before but they have some sort of a profession of faith in Christ in the middle of it. And Paul, 
Paul doesn't uh, doesn't give any room for that kind of Christian experience. He he simply puts it right where it is. The file needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be renewed. It needs the 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 vanity of of uh, of uh, the the Gentile mind, the ungodly world, the whatever you want to call it. It needs to be displaced and something else put in its place. And uh, we want to uh, engage in that uh, battle for purity and holiness and uh, integrity all through life. And it is one that, a battle that it goes all through life. It's, uh, it's not a once and done deal. But uh, the blessing of it is, uh, when you put it in the file, you put something good in that file, and you put it there with purpose, it'll be there, and it'll influence you, and it'll help you, and it'll, uh, it'll affect your walk. And, and uh, the more that we put in those files for good and for right and for holiness and for truth, the better, uh, the, better it, uh, the, the more it'll work its way out in our lives. And my mind just goes right now to the uh, Psalm 1 where he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That psalm sums everything up that I've just said. We have the, the, the Gentile world, which is the ungodly, and all their perspectives. And we have the, the, uh, the one who... The man of God whose meditations are in the law of the Lord and in his, in his law doth he meditate day and night. He's got his files filled with the things of God and it comes out all over his life. So praise God. We're not left uh, if we have messed up and we've allowed some things in our minds, in our files that are not good and not pure. We're not left uh, to have to live with that. We can... We can uh, there's help for us. There's... Uh, Grace for us. There's uh, that we can uh, we can uh, we can replace it. We can intentionally uh, war against it, and we can fill our minds with something else. Put something else in its place. Something that's right, and uh, we can see it. Uh, and we can see that change take place, and that's a blessing. We don't have to. We don't have to uh, be defeated or give up. We can. God has given us uh, the tools and the grace and the power to, to actually change and uh, see a change. So thank God. With that, I think I'll conclude those few thoughts. Maybe we could, uh, let's kneel together, those who can. Father, we're grateful this morning again for your word and grateful for your spirit that is endeavoring to be our teacher. Today, Father, again, be our teacher and keep us and guide us, each one of us, meet us right where we're at, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for uh, the uh, way these truths are opened in in the scriptures, that we can grasp them, that we can uh, be encouraged by them. And I do pray a blessing on each one here. And that the words could be profitable and uh, encourage and meet the need of each heart. Father, continue to bless this assembly, this congregation, and grow us up in you. Lead us in the way you would have us to go and strengthen us in our personal walks, Lord. We 
desire that much. Today we also want to pray for Tim and Shiro in Tanzania and the uh, the others that are there, Warren and uh, Zachary, uh, the, the nurses and Rachel, Rebecca and Trudy. And Lord, as they uh, today have been seeking you and uh, desiring healing for Shiro's health, again we do together lift up that need and pray that you would meet them and bless them and that you would raise our sister Shiro up in health and in strength, Lord. So Father, again, we just close this message with your with thanksgiving to you and pray that uh, we would uh, just be strengthened in your grace. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>